Dear Madam Daly, do I understand you correctly that you support the lack of sanctions against an aggressor committing war crimes? Do I understand you correctly that your idea how to save Ukrainian children is not to provide the arms to protect them. Do I understand you correctly? That you justify one war crime referring to other war crimes. If this is the case, this is shameful. We are not a NATO tool. We are NATO and we need to defend each and every Ukrainian citizen. Thank you. Onorevole Deli ha facoltà di replicare. I would love colleague Jampaski to tell me any circumstance in which NATO has played a productive role or delivered peace anywhere. History has taught us that sanctions do not end military conflict, they do not bring peace. They make the people suffer, not the oligarchs, the people, the people of Russia, the people of Europe. And they're not going to help save lives because the more arms you pump into Ukraine, the more the war will be prolonged, the more Ukrainians can, will die. And it might sound radical, colleagues, but the answer to war is not more war, it's peace. And peace isn't delivered by the barrel of a gun, it's delivered by diplomacy, by dialogue. You can wish away your continent's history, but we share a continent with Russia. We will sit down with Russia. There will be a negotiated peace, and this organization should be promoting it earlier rather than delaying it and making sure that more Ukrainians die. Your feigning of sympathy rings hollow. It makes me sick, to be honest with you. Why? Oh, 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 oh,
listen to me. What? It's also a mistake, as some people have said, including on the committee, the commentators, that somehow this was a carefully planned coup d'etat aimed at the Constitution. That's not the way Donald Trump does things. It's, but you have to understand the nature of what the problem of Donald Trump is. He's, to use a Star Wars metaphor, a disturbance in the force. And it's not an attack on our democracy. It's Donald Trump looking out for Donald Trump. It's a once-in-a-lifetime occurrence. I don't know that I agree with you, to be, to be uh, fair, with all due respect. Uh, one doesn't have to be brilliant to attempt a coup. Uh, I disagree with that. As somebody who has helped plan coup d'etat, yeah. not here, but you know, other places, uh, it takes a lot of work. I'm not going to get into the specifics, but uh, successful coups? Well, I wrote about Venezuela in, uh, in the book. But I think there's another... I feel like you're this other stuff you're not telling me, though. I think I'm sure there is. I've always wondered, why do they call you the Secret Service? Aren't you a little... obvious? We gave up on invading countries after Iraq, but we still have been interfering and causing 
all sorts of trouble. Syria, in the United States, they like to say, the United States has had hardly anything to do with what happened, with what happened in Syria. This is nonsense. The United States is deeply involved in Syria. We're funding and training rebels. We worked with the Qataris, the Saudis, and the Turks to help overthrow Assad. We bear a huge amount of responsibility for that giant mess. Libya, we all know what we did there. We told Colonel Gaddafi, give up your WMD programs and we'll leave you alone. He gave up his WMD programs. You know where he is now? Six feet under. And you know who helped put him six feet under? Under? Uncle Sugar did. Right? That's what happened here. The amount of murder and mayhem in the Middle East, the greater Middle East, that we're responsible for is truly remarkable. Just truly remarkable. The Bush Doctrine was a colossal failure. Our policies in the greater Middle East were a colossal failure. If there was any accountability in our system, most of those policymakers would be in the gulag. That's the Bush Doctrine. A U.S. battalion in Iraq was hit by a roadside bomb in a place called Hadith. One soldier was killed, one soldier. The same day, this battalion marched into a neighborhood. They shot and killed 24 women and children. Do you know what the battalion's leader said? Shoot first, ask questions later. And do you know what his punishment was? 90 days in jail plus a pay cut. biggest war crimes in human history. The president orders, the Pentagon pushes a button, and innocent civilians are massacred halfway around the world. Let me show you the numbers. Since 9-11, the US has conducted 100,000 drone strikes. Do you know how many people have they killed? At least 22,000 civilians. The worst estimate is 48,000. US soldiers arrive in foreign lands as messengers of peace and freedom. They leave as merchants of death and destruction. So if Joe Biden wants to talk democracy and human rights, maybe start with your own military. Join the International Criminal Court. Subject your soldiers to independent probes. Until then, do not take the moral high ground because the mass graves in Afghanistan, Syria, Libya and Iraq disagree.
because the goal is not to completely subjugate Afghanistan. The goal is to use Afghanistan to wash money out of the tax bases of the United States, out of the tax bases of European countries, through Afghanistan and back into the hands of a transnational security elite. That is the goal, i.e. the goal is to have an endless war, not a successful war. So Stop the War Coalition is important because we have to prevent it becoming normal for there to be a constant war. Very soon, within the next few years, it will become the normal for there to be a constant war in the West. People will reach maturity and adulthood under the understanding that there is always a war. And at that point, war will not be something that is unusual or surprising or horrifying. War will become the new normal. Start by the corrupt, 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 by the and it's a global war, technological war, yeah. MSI flying through the sky, war that started from Malai, the dish and them not tell the truth. Them ones on your retort, 10,000 fighter jets, 8,000 warships, still can't stop them from go down in a day war, quick war, ideological war, yeah. And it's a chemical war. And it's a global war. Yeah. War. See the now. See the now. You want to destroy another man country. country. A wicked art. Cruel art. You have no mercy. But David shall slew Goliath. Even in the 21st century. Such a dance. So just a dance. Confirm your victory. War. Ideological war. Yeah. And it's a chemical war. And it's a global war. Yeah. A long time the peacemakers I tell them, say, them for living in peace and unity. No. Them never paid on the mind. Them still go on with them brutality. I know them beg on them bow, them ball and them plea Them still can't get a ceasefire, ceasefire Throw in a towel now, put your hand on your head yeah. Surrender, in a this war Ideological war yeah. And it's a chemical war And it's a global war This world is big enough All of us And them still going around fighting Fighting and voice I see bomb like rain gunshot like sand rain Virus living at the general brain In my house of parliament them get insane Them want nine trillion to buy more war plane War Ideological war and it's a chemical war And it's a global war yeah. One man say imam me well 
him army super fit A next man say him have hypersonic Fi sink warship deeper than Titanic <laughs> Next man say attack on attack Make sure say on the defense system a work Because if I press this red button Every city gone under the earth In a this A tribulation war Every nation war Yes it's a global war yeah. In a this A tribulation war A every nation war Yes it's a global war yeah. You that just war It's a mystical war Yes it's a biblical war How did we get here? Again, this is much contested. There are two very different narratives. One narrative is Putin is, you know, has delusions of grandeur and thinks he's Peter the Great and he's going to recreate the Russian Empire. That's the American story we're told all the time. I have a very different view, which is that we got here because the United States just can't keep its goddamn nose out of anyone's backyard. And we kept pushing NATO enlargement. And I was there 32 years ago as advisor to Gorbachev and then advisor to Yeltsin and advisor to Kuchma, first president of independent Ukraine. And I was an advisor to Yatsenyuk just after the 2014 event. So I've watched this pretty close up for 32 years. And I think the U.S. is the provocation. This does not play well in the U.S media. In fact, it doesn't play at all. I can't get an op-ed published in the U.S. media. They're not interested. They don't want to have any debate at all. It is absolutely true, by the way, that the U.S. and Germany told Gorbachev in 1990, we said, if you disband the Warsaw Pact, we will not use the occasion to move NATO to the east. And it was absolutely explicit. Now, since our government lies about everything, the the narrative is, oh, we never promised, which is not true. And there's a whole vast documentary record of the U.S. promising no enlargement. Well, of course, as soon as the Soviet Union went away, we thought it was a juicy opportunity to enlarge NATO and started with Poland, Hungary, Czech Republic, 1999, and then George W. Bush Jr., added seven more countries, uh, three in the Baltics, so three right on Russia's border, Bulgaria and Romania, which is um, Russia's Black Sea region, and Slovakia and Slovenia. And we continue NATO expansion. And in 2008, Bush said, now we'll go to Ukraine and to Georgia. To my mind, this was just absolutely the most provocative thing we could do. Because now we're pushing NATO right up against Russia's core security concerns. The Europeans, many European leaders told me in 2008 how dangerous this was and how much they were against it. But the U.S. calls the shots. But in 2014, the pro-Russian president was overthrown. The U.S. narrative is it was a mass public 
uh, upheaval against a corrupt president. And I was there on the ground soon afterwards, and I know that the U.S. played a direct role in the overthrow. And the Russians call it a coup. So we have com competing narratives, but the Russia say, Russians say, look, you overthrew the president friendly to our country. We don't want you anywhere close to our borders. At the end of 2021, Putin put forward security demands to the White House. They, at the core of them was don't expand NATO. I called the White House at the end of 2021 to beg them, negotiate. We shouldn't be expanding NATO anyway, negotiate. And I was told, no, we have an open door policy, which means that anyone that wants to join NATO can join NATO. And I said, that's crazy. This isn't a right, this is a threat to another country. This isn't about rights, this is about the effects on the neighbors. And I said, do you believe that Mexico has the right to have a military alliance with China? I don't think so. But that's what you say about Ukraine, that they have the right to have a military alliance with the United States. I said, in any event, it's, they can ask, but it's not prudent for us to do it. Well, the White House refused any negotiations. Putin invaded on February 24th. And uh, we've been escalating ever since. And the last week has been filled with news stories, these casual stories of will he or won't he use nuclear weapons as if, you know, we're trying to predict uh, the, the uh, outcome of the Super Bowl. It's bizarre to me. I've just never seen anything so reckless. And I have no confidence in the U.S. government, no confidence uh, in what we're doing to uh, head this off because they're dead set on uh, doing whatever it takes, that's what they say all the time, whatever it takes to win this, for Ukraine to win this war. And since I don't think Russia is going to lose this war short of nuclear war, to my mind, we're on a recipe of continued escalation. The perfect blueprint for world order.
When the sides facing each other suddenly realize that they're looking into a mirror, they will see that this is the pattern for the future. The perfect blueprint for world order. And, you know, that protester mentioned what's been going on in the Donbass where people have been killed uh, by the Ukrainian military with U.S. backing. And that has been going on for the last eight years. There were some 15,000 people uh, who were killed before Russia finally invaded in February of this year to end that war. And to give you an example of how involved the U.S. has been and what Ilhan Omar is completely ignoring when she scolds these anti-war protesters for trying to get her to stop being a participant in it, is is here's a clip of Lindsey Graham back in December of 2016 visiting with Ukrainian soldiers who are taking part in the attacks on the people of the Donbass. And these are people who rose up in 2014 after the U.S. backed a coup and helped install a new government that launched an attack on Russian culture and tolerated murderous assaults on ethnic Russians and people who opposed the coup, including a massacre in Odessa in May of 2014, where dozens of people were burned alive by pro-coup actors. And so here's Lindsey Graham going to the front line in December of 2016, talking about what Ukraine should do. Your fight is our fight. 2017 will be the year of offense. All of us will go back to Washington and we will push the case against Russia. Enough of a Russian aggression. It is time for them to pay a heavier price. Time for Russia to pay a heavier price. He's sounding like a general commanding his troops. Why is a senator from South Carolina telling Ukrainian soldiers that Russia has to pay a heavier price. That's because the U.S. has been using Ukraine for a proxy war for the last eight years. And somehow, Ilhan Omar and the squad are unaware of that. And because the U.S. has been arming Ukrainian forces, they've been killing people in the Donbass. And so the atrocities in Ukraine are not just Russians killing Ukrainians now and causing many refugees, as Ilhan Omar rightly pointed out. There's also been the U.S. backing the Ukrainian military to kill people in the Donbass who were revolting against a coup that the U.S. was involved in. And what's interesting about that clip is it comes in 2016. That's a year after there were peace accords reached in Minsk, the Minsk II Accords, which were supposed to put an end to the war in the Donbass. Russia backed those accords. Ukraine signed it. But the fact that Lindsey Graham is going a year later and telling the Ukrainian military to keep fighting is an example of how hostile the U.S. was to Minsk and to making peace and to avoiding a situation like we're in right now.
Trump's rhetoric embraced and amplified by the American press, demonizing Vladimir Putin and elevating the Ukrainians to the status of demigods meant to bring down Putin's government is infantile and dangerous. Achilles and we made him swim across the river to see if he could swim without Achilles' tendons. I don't know. He was about 18. I don't give a fuck. We made a lesson to him. We often cut his Achilles' heels and we made him swim, swim across the Severodonetsk River and he drowned. Or he was shot. We were all taking kind of like practice shots at him to see how well our shot was as he swam without Achilles' heels. I don't know. Maybe our guys from these Siberian shitholes, they can't swim well. Either way, he's dead. You know where the fuck he was from? He was from somewhere in Central Asia. Central Asia or Central Russia. We've been told to take no prisoners.
When Russia drops bombs on built-up areas in Ukraine, I have no doubt that the people in Ukraine underneath the bombs are terrorized. It's a form of terrorism. When the US NATO bombed Afghanistan for 20 years and killed several hundred thousand and displaced millions, they were terrorizing the people. A UN survey showed that US NATO bombardments of civilians in Afghanistan, 45% of the people killed were children. When the US killed over a million civilians in Iraq, was that terrorism? When Israel terrorizes the Palestinian people every day, is that terrorism? When France and the UK and others armed the Saudi UAE to commit genocide in Yemen, where the UN said that over 400,000 are dead and 16 million are starving because of a genocide being carried out with the support of the US, the UK, France and several European states, is that terrorism? When he is going to wake up and start living in the real world?
can do is stop acting to prevent negotiations. For a long time, this, the position of the United States has been to try to undermine possibilities of negotiations. That's as recently as late April, as far as we know. Well, one thing the United States can do is stop acting like that. Stop, drop the position, the official position, that the war must go on to weaken Russia severely, meaning no negotiations. Would that open the way to negotiations? Diplomacy? Can't be sure. There's only one way to find out. That's to try. If you don't try, of course it won't happen. Uh, if I may, I'd like to add a word about something that was touched on but not developed sufficiently, in my view, and it's highly significant. China. What's happening with regard to China? It's barely being reported, but it's of a supreme significance. Uh, there has been an agreement that's held for 50 years. It's called the One China Policy. It goes back to the 70s. Uh, the agreement is between U.S. and China that Taiwan is part of China, not in question, uh, but neither party, U.S. or China, will act to disrupt the peaceful relations that persist. It's called strategic ambiguity. It's held for 50 years. That's a lot in world affairs. The United States is now undermining Pelosi's reckless, stupid visit was one example. But more significant are two other things. One is that the United States, this has accelerated under the Biden administration, is promoting a policy of what's called encircling China with sentinel states, basically U.S. satellites, heavily armed with weapons uh, aimed at China, precision weapons, uh, to encircle it, to keep it from um, the aggression that's contrived in the U.S. propaganda. More significant still is what just happened a couple of weeks ago. On September 14th, the Senate Foreign Relations Committee uh, passed proposed legislation, bipartisan, almost unanimous, calling, virtually calling for war with China. Not their word of course. If you read the resolution, it called for uh, substantially enhancing U.S. armaments to China, uh, changing relations to Taiwan, sorry, changing relations with Taiwan to elevate Taiwan to the level of a non-NATO partner to be treated uh, as any other sovereign country diplomatically, uh, uh, moving towards interoperability of weapon systems with the United States. If you pay attention to what was happening in Ukraine for the last decade or so, that's pretty much the program that was followed by the United States to move towards integrating Ukraine de facto into the U.S. NATO military system. Senate Foreign Relations Committee is now proposing to do something quite similar with regard to Taiwan. It's an extraordinary provocation. It severely undermines the one China policy that has held it's barely discussed in the background is the context of the encirclement program. This is as if the Senate, the bipartisan Senate, is hell-bent on involving the United States in two major wars, each of which could be a terminal war. It's as if some kind of uh, insanity is pervading the social and political atmosphere.
I have tasted enough of war, enough of my own fear, to know that war is always evil, the purest expression of death, dressed up in patriotic cant about liberty and democracy, and sold to the naive as a ticket to glory, honor, and courage. felt the helplessness and the paralyzing fear, which years later descend on me like a freight train in the middle of the night, leaving me wrapped in coils of terror, my heart racing, my body dripping with sweat. I have heard the wails of those convulsed by grief as they clutch the bodies of friends and family, including children. I hear them still. It does not matter the language. Spanish, Arabic, Hebrew, Dinka, Serbo-Croatian, Albanian, Ukrainian, Russian. I know what wounds look like. Legs blown off. Heads imploded into a bloody, pulpy mass. Gaping holes in stomachs. Pools of blood. Cries of the dying, sometimes for their mothers. And the smell. The smell of death. The supreme sacrifice made for flies and maggots. There are no good wars. None. What do you think about the possibility of nuclear war? Uh, Non-existent unless we employ a nuclear weapon. There is no evidence of the Russians preparing to use nuclear weapons whatsoever. No nuclear warheads in sight, nothing being moved forward out of the question. Putin has repeatedly said, even though the West does not bother listening to the man, and that's one of our problems, that nuclear weapons are exclusively for retaliatory purposes. In other words, if, if we are struck with a nuclear weapon, we will retaliate. So the notion that, that he has any plans for that is ridiculous. Secondly, if he's ever used more than 20% of his ground force, and we haven't even looked at the Air Force and, and the rocket forces and everything else he has at his disposal, uh, what makes anyone think that he would feel the need to use a nuclear weapon? So the, the age of precision-guided munitions and space-based intelligence and instantaneous communications is with us. So that sort of thing is not needed. Now, what are we going to do? Well, we have people in Washington with loose tongues. And, you know, making dumb comments about limited nuclear war. Uh, I'm shocked when I hear it. I can't believe it. It's insane. And the one thing the Democrats have gotten right is there's no such thing as a limited nuclear war. I mean, the whole thing is just crazy. Well, we'll launch a low-yield nuclear warhead of less than five kilotons. Don't worry. 
the other side will understand. <laughs> well, that's absurd. A nuclear detonation goes off in your backyard. You you trigger something in eastern Ukraine where there's a Russian concentration with a tactical nuclear weapon. And what do they think in Moscow? Oh, my God, we better launch a first strike or we'll lose our arsenal. And what have you got? Armageddon. It's insane. It needs to stop. And, you know, no one is exercising, in my judgment, proper restraint in this regard. Someone in the White House should say, forget it. It's not on the table. Out of the question. We haven't heard that, though. Welcome to the hereafter Government powers in conflict In the world gone sick And they're heavily equipped With arms to melt down cities and farms The final stage witnessed the force of pure rage While we were all at work trying to earn a wage Their targets are unlocked, they're ready to engage Finally to put to use all of those years of bomb testing And biological questing For better ways to destroy and torment Now let's feel what we've chosen to invent Blast off, everybody staying clear are in the air to severance here Thugs, executives, and cops with tasers Trees are dust, skyscrapers are vapors Impact, now nothing is intact Take cover, we're under attack Delivering oblivion, one already hit But look out, here comes another Earth crusher Good afternoon, this is Dr. Jim Brockman Reporting live from the network This is what we always feared could happen But never dreamed it would Nuclear holocaust, already hit China, Korea Next destination, Japan Napalm scorch your backs and your axe with your Tax dollars went to, so now they have sent you a demonstration, devastation, four billion degrees of presentation, courtesy of some major corporations, you might have had stocking, but money can't stop the toxin, that crippled your frame while you were walking, now your mouth's frothing, inhale, poison has replaced oxygen, your heart contracts, aorta snaps, lungs collapse, fluid leaks out of your urinary tracts, in this atmosphere to which nobody adapts, no more petty crimes, nickel sacks, rap shows are raised, sunshine of Bullshit holidays, just radiation and tidal waves Death to the modern day slaves Running down the streets with our arms raised Atheists now give praise The sounds of nuclear bombs Whistle right past my ear Headed towards Zaire Many have died but you better believe That more bound to suffer Earth crusher Seconds since the last attack, nearly quarter of the Earth's population wiped out. Added to the list of countries in Africa, Western, I really don't know what's gonna happen. We supported this through silence and complacency while our government ruled the world under masonry. Made every nation regret their adjacency. Global hostility, now we're facing the worst burst of energy ever unleashed. I could have sworn I heard them say that they wanted peace. A quarter of the population's fully deceased, it's gonna cease. Blood rush, my anger increase. Force with no remorse, mid-air diffusion, knock em off course, about to unleash my own brand of holocaust, give me a near mic, I'll start the airstrike, aimed at those who chose to, sacrifice our lives, cause they're uncivilized, surprise, headed for the center of your eyes, 40,000 megatons from my lungs, my attack is stunning, where the fuck are you running, incoming, worldwide assault, I take out the US government and then Russia, Earth Russia. News just in, uh, New Zealand hit, uh, Australia, I don't know what's going on, what's, what, this is, who, who is, no, God bless you, <laughs>
You'll be ushered into a room very privately at number 10. You'll be laid out in front of you what are called the letters of last resort. Your orders to our Trident boat captain on whether you, Prime Minister Liz Truss, is giving the order to unleash our nuclear weapons. It would mean global annihilation. I won't ask you, would you press the button? You will say yes. But faced with that task, I would feel physically sick. How does that thought make you feel? I think it's an important duty of the Prime Minister. I'm ready to do that. There's no doubt about it, we're living in times of catastrophic crisis where the lives of innocent civilians are sacrificed in the wars of their masters. Yes, in Ukraine, but not only. 
Since the last plenary, tens of thousands of Afghani citizens have been forced to flee in search of food and safety. Five million children face famine, an agonising and painful death, a 500% increase in child marriages and children being sold just so they can survive, and not a mention of it. Not here, not anywhere. No wall-to-wall -wall TV coverage, no emergency humanitarian response, no special plenaries, not even a mention in this plenary, no Afghani delegations and no statements. My God, they must be wondering what makes their humanitarian crisis so unimportant? Is it the colour of their skin? Is it that they're not white? They're not European? That their problems come from a US gun or a US invasion? Is it that the decision to rob their country's wealth was taken by a despotic US president rather than a Russian one? Because, my God, all wars are evil and all victims deserve support. And until we get on that page, we have no credibility whatsoever. Dear sirs, if the pavement comes alive, I'll flap a shabba toothy smile, comprised of traffic cones and manholes become eyes, and birds burst into flames while singing Satan's praises and fall into the sky and rain down ashy danger. If every office empties and all slaves walk in daisies to a pool of liquid money where they bathe blissfully naked and drugs no longer taunt me and flues around my conscience and every woman beating rapists is securely in their coffin. Every open hydrant in a Brooklyn time summer moment is opened up by cops and folds out into an ocean and rain is paid by bread literally. Parking isn't paid for Food stamps can be planted And childhood can't be damaged Fire could power spaceships And safely ship the grid And dynamite and gunpowder To the graves of all his faith And it's slurping nerve for bureaucrat life And being counted slave owners Is twisted in on itself So they shave off their own faces And the crack in the nation Is collected in a top hat And force-fed to the children Of every CIA agent And a dust head's get an angel And an acre's worth a rainbow And the project turn to clouds And the stupid are so proud The sniveling grimace marbles Of infected money flogging pest Ignite into a brilliant beam of light And mercy is the rule And the acceptance mercy too When the desert comes to Brooklyn And the president goes to 